T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC, News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Kelsey Wentling. She is a river steward with the Connecticut River Conservancy. Good morning to you, Kelsey. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, the source to see cleanup is back next weekend, September 24th through the 26th, along the Connecticut River and other waterways in the region. Uh, Tell us what is happening. Sure. So this is our 25th annual source to see cleanup. And what that means is there are going to be volunteers in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire, all along the Connecticut River, Um, and other tributaries going out to clean up trash in their neighborhoods and steward their local stretches of river. And then once we've got all that trash, um, equally as important, those volunteers are going to be counting it up for us and letting us know what they find. Over the 25 years, what has changed in these cleanups? Um, A lot. (laughs) I think, as you might expect, the types of trash that we find are different. Um, So today, you know, I was two when the cleanup first started, so I can't speak much to what it looked like back then. But today we find a lot of single use plastics. Even in the last year, we're finding a lot more masks and gloves because of the pandemic. Um, But on the positive side, I think that there's generally more of a recognition that we can um, take ownership of cleaning up our local environment. So um, people I think generally uh, hesitate a little bit more before tossing something out of the car window or dropping a plastic bag on the ground. Now, last year, because of the pandemic, it was kind of a do-yourself cleanup. What is uh, coming back this year? And is it back to to pre-pandemic times in terms of what's happening? I'd say we're sort of in between right now. So we're not uh, exactly as we've always done it, but closer to it than we did last year. Uh, Last year, as you mentioned, it was sort of a DIY type cleanup. And this year, uh, there are larger groups getting back together again. Um, We are concentrating it around the weekend of September 24 to 26, as opposed to the entire month. Um, And generally, I think we'll see more people in larger groups out on the river. Now, if someone wants to find a cleanup near them, what can they do? You have a couple options. So on our website, which is ctriver.org, if you navigate to the source to see section, you can go to a map of adoptable sites. And these are sites that 
uh, we have seen or someone has reported to us as having trash and being in need of cleaning up. And you can uh, adopt that site yourself. Or uh, if you know of a dirty little secret in your neighborhood or somewhere you like to go and you know there's trash there, you can register on our website and just tell us where you're going and go somewhere local since we know that um, we're, we're in a huge watershed system and uh, the locals know their area best. Exactly. It doesn't have to be right along the Connecticut River. Explain to us the, the watershed system for the Connecticut, which goes well beyond just the river itself. Exactly. So a watershed is a term that sort of defines a landscape, meaning that all the water that hits the ground in that area will eventually run into one common point. So in this case, if you live in West Hartford, um, the surface water that washes into Trout Brook will go into the Park River, will go into the Connecticut River. So even if you're not cleaning up right along any river, um, all the all the places you see trash, that trash uh, will likely end up in a river eventually. So by getting it out of parking lots or parks or even places near your backyard, you're preventing that from getting into waterways. So doing math quickly, this started back in, in 1996. Would you say yes. overall the river watershed is cleaner than it was back then? I would say yes, uh, with the caveat that I think we're becoming more aware of the trash that we can't even see. So that would be things like microplastics and microfibers. And this results from plastic or um, even our clothing that can degrade in water and become so small we can't see it, but we can still ingest it. We can see it in, in the stomach of wildlife. So I'd say overall, we're making great strides. More people are getting out there to clean up their rivers. Um, and eventually we'd like to just not do the cleanup at all. Uh, but we are facing some more nuanced challenges as we move into the future. I know Connecticut just started banning single-use plastic shopping bags at retail locations, and a, a number of communities up and down the, the river watershed ha, have taken similar actions. Are you beginning to see the difference, or is it too early? I think it's still a little early to see, um, but what I have personally noticed is I actually don't see as many plastic bags on the street myself or stuck in trees and that kind of thing. I think we'll still find them in rivers just because they live um, in those ecosystems forever. So it will take us a while to stop seeing them so frequently and to pull all those out of there. But even just uh, near my office in Hartford, I'm not seeing so many plastic bags uh, as I used to in the hands of customers or in the in the storm drain or uh, stuck in a tree or something. What are some of the other things that are typically found in the river when you do these cleanups? Uh, the number one thing we find everywhere is uh, beverage containers, so plastic and glass bottles. These are really uh, pervasive throughout all four of our states and um always the number one item that our volunteers report to us. In particular, those little nips or miniature liquor bottles, um, you'll see those quite frequently. And then some of the other items we focus on are things like tires, which will get illegally dumped into the river because they're hard to dispose of. Um, and then other things like cigarette butts or, um, as I said, masks or PPE, these smaller single-use items 
that just find their way onto the sidewalk, into the storm drain, and into the river. Is it sometimes daunting for volunteers who participate in these cleanups to go out there and, you know, after maybe 20, 25 minutes, they've they've got a bag that's full and they haven't even made a, a, a dent in, in the, the rubbish that's around the river? I think so. I mean, I think it can be a little bit um, deflating sometimes to consider the mass of trash uh, in the environment. But at the same time, I think we can find encouragement in the fact that uh, we are progressing uh, legislation at the state level and hopefully at the federal level that will ultimately minimize how much trash is getting out there. And that uh, when volunteers go out next weekend, they're not alone. There are hopefully going to be thousands of other people cleaning up throughout the watershed. So even if you feel that you're making a small dent, um, you're out there amongst many other people, and you're making um, a measurable impact on your local environment if that means that uh, wildlife is able to re-enter our waterway because you cleared out a small portion of it. It all does add up. Now, we had a lot of rain over the summer. Does that pose (laughs) any issues in terms of the cleanliness of waterways in the region? Yes, uh, that's a good question. So uh, we have had a ton of rain this summer. I uh, don't think anyone doesn't know that. <laughs> and uh, there are a couple impacts of that. One is that right after it rains really hard, um, a lot of that rainwater will go into a storm drain on the road or go straight into the river and it carries whatever is on the road or the sidewalk with it. So that could be things like chemicals and oils. Um, that could be Uh, nutrients coming off of or pesticides coming off of farms and gardens. And then of course that includes trash. So I went out to the river a couple of times this summer and I could see that uh, trash that had been left in a parking lot, that parking lot was now underwater. And so all the trash, the cigarette butts uh, were then pulled into the river. I even saw trash cans floating around in the river. So We know it's out there um, and that these high water levels have created a way for more solid waste to get into the water before we could prevent it from being there. I know after one of the tropical storms over the summer, there were also alerts about raw sewage finding its way into waterways. Is that still a concern on the Connecticut River? Um, It is a long-term concern. Usually after about 72 hours, um, the water is clean enough to go boating and swimming again. But if you're ever unsure, we actually test uh, water quality weekly on our website. If you just Google Connecticut River, is it clean? You can find out if the bacteria levels are low enough to make it safe for swimming. But yes, uh, when it rains really hard, the stormwater coming off of the roads and the pavement combines with um, sewage pipes. And when these two pipes or sources of um, water are too, too much for the wastewater treatment system, they can actually just bypass the treatment system completely and go untreated into the river, which is how we get uh, raw sewage into the river. Now, you mentioned tires as well. During your cleanup last year, you found almost 950 tires during cleanup efforts. And there's the idea of extended producer responsibility. We already have this for paint in Connecticut, and now there is 
an effort to extend this to other products, including tires. Talk a little about that. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Connecticut has extended producer responsibility for paint um, and also mattresses. And this is the idea that we, the consumers, are not the only responsible party um, when we buy a product. We're bringing the businesses or the producers into the equation. And the way we do that is uh, when you purchase an item, you are by law the industry is required to take that item back. So for example, with tires, um, they're really difficult to dispose of when they're no longer useful. And so uh, there's a cost associated with that and they get illegally dumped into parks and into rivers. Um, We are tired of cleaning up these tires. And so what we're asking through an extended producer responsibility framework is that the tire manufacturers take these tires back and recycle them themselves. That way we're removing the burden from just the consumer who doesn't really have any good options and placing it back with the producer. And this helps us to reach uh, what we call a circular economy where rather than having items that just go into incinerators or landfills, they hopefully can be designed to be reused um, and have an actual use once they're no longer being used as car tires. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Kelsey Wentling. She is a river steward with the Connecticut River Conservancy. Coming up next weekend, September 24th through the 26th, it's the source to sea cleanup along the Connecticut River watershed running all the way from Vermont and New Hampshire down to Long Island Sound. Continuing on the the topic of of tires, how would this work with the extended producer responsibility? I know with the paints, there's a a fee that's added when you buy the paint at the store. Would this be the the same for tires when you get new tires on your car? Uh, It depends a little bit on how the legislation would be written. It can be different for different products, but uh, essentially there would be an internalized fee. So it's not an it's not a tax. It's not an added tax. It's when you buy your tires, um, you may have an additional eight dollars baked into the overall cost of the tires. So that when you go back to the tire shop or the dealership to replace those tires, they can just take them back at no cost for you. Because when the cost comes in at the end, when it's time to throw something away, uh, it's very tempting to dodge that cost by disposing of the tires in an illegal way. Um, But when there's no incentive to do that, and when you've already paid up front for the disposal, um, it's much easier to get rid of these. And in addition to the consumer having that cost baked in, the producers, the tire manufacturers are taking greater responsibility for their own products. So they would likely shoulder some of the cost as well. Now, Connecticut this year approved changes to its bottle bill, which dates back decades. Uh, They're not going to take effect for a a number of years to come, but how does the River Conservancy feel about this? Will this help reduce the the number of bottles and cans you find when you do these cleanups every year? I'd say overall, we're really excited about this legislation. So um, for those who may not know, when you buy certain types of bottles, you're putting a five cent deposit on that, which you can get back when you redeem it. With this new legislation, uh, you'll instead be putting a 10 cent deposit, which you'll get back. 
And the reason this was such a critical update is because five cents in the 1970s was uh, worth a lot more than it is today. So the equivalent would be over 25 cents, which is a great incentive to bring back bottles and cans. Um, so we're, we're inching back up to that slowly with the 10 cents. And then this bill will also expand the number of beverage containers that can be redeemed. So um, new things are constantly hitting the market with sports drinks or kombucha and seltzers um, that just didn't even really exist um, very frequently back in the day. So having more containers eligible under this bill is great as well. Some of the downsides of this bill, uh, one that uh, miniature liquor bottles or nips had initially been included in it and that was cut out, um, which we would have loved to see in there. And then um, this particular piece of legislation puts a lot of power in the hands of the uh, beverage industry. And so that does raise a little bit of a flag for us. Now, there's going to be a fee on the small nip liquor bottles in Connecticut. I guess it's going to go to help clean them up. Number one, do you think that will help? And number two, how big a problem are, are nips? Well, I'll start with your second question. Uh, nips are a huge problem. Out of the thousands of bottles and cans we pick up every year, nips make, out, make up about a quarter of those. And I think you know, take a walk around your neighborhood, down to the river. These nips are everywhere. I always am getting people um, reaching out to me saying how annoyed they are about these nips. And as I said, you can't get a 10 cent return on them because they're not in the bottle bill. So I, you know, I don't, we don't oppose the um, additional fee placed on nips when you buy them, but I don't think this is the most efficient way to deal with the pollution problem. Um, because it targets the wrong end. It looks at finding money to clean them up, not money to prevent them from getting into the environment in the first place, which uh, the bottle bill does. And, and I think had this been extended to NIPS, we would have seen a more efficient system. Now, speaking of the bottle bill, you have a trash talk coming up. Tell us about that. Yeah, so if you go onto our website, ctriver.org, uh, we have two virtual events coming up one will be about the bottle bill. Um, we'll be talking about Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Vermont, and what the bottle bill is, just the basics of it, what it seeks to accomplish, and how it improves the health of the river, and then what still needs to be done. Um, and then we have another trash talk uh, about extended producer responsibility. And again, just uh, this is open to anyone who wants to learn about how we can achieve a circular economy and how we can bring producers or uh, industries and businesses into the end of life process. Um, and those are both on our website and will both be virtual. Talk a little more about the other work that the Connecticut River Conservancy does and what you do as a river steward. Sure. Um, it's pretty multifaceted and um, of course depends on what's going on at the time, but a lot of our work is focused on um, conserving the river through restoration projects like taking out old dams or uh, planting trees along riverbanks. And then uh, here in Connecticut, managing invasive species on the water. We also do quite a lot of what we call community science programs. And these are volunteer 
opportunities where um, we train volunteers how to take water samples or um, count migra migratory fish as they pass up the river, um, or just get out there um, collecting different numbers about trash that they see near their waterways, which we report out as well. And um, a lot of this volunteer science provides us with data that we share with the state and federal government, as well as use internally. And it's really a great opportunity to get out onto the water and also to contribute to projects that seek to restore the river. Um, so as a river steward, I'm engaged in sort of all of these things. And then um, I do a fair amount of advocacy at the municipal and state levels, um, which is also another great way for people in their communities to get involved. If there's something they really care about, um, there's almost guaranteed to be some sort of legislation circulating about it. So talk about your legislative wish list. You're, you're pleased with some components of the bottle bill that ha have been changed, but uh, what's on the agenda for 2022? Yeah, we, um, for 2022, are going to focus again on tires. So last year, we made a push to have extended producer responsibility for tires, and that got combined with gas cylinders and smoke detectors, um, which are two other items we do see in the river. And there are also two items that are really dangerous uh, to dispose of, in particular gas cylinders, because um, they can explode. So we're hoping to push for extended producer responsibility again for tires. And then unrelated to trash, um, we're hoping to move forward with uh, some sort of legislation related to an invasive plant called hydrilla, which has really been taking over uh, some parts of the river. How can people help guard against invasive species when it comes to either the Connecticut River or lakes and streams? That's a great question. Um, and sort of similar to the NIPS issue I was talking about, it's always better to focus on prevention rather than dealing with it after it's already there. So the number one thing anyone can do if you are fishing or swimming or boating, um, and boating in particular, is to make sure that when you go into a body of water, any body of water, and then leave, when you leave, you're making sure that there are no plants um, or minuscule animals, but definitely no plant fragments on any of your gear, because this is a primary way in which invasive species spread. So uh, for example, if you are in the Connecticut River and you get a little fragment of a plant called hydrilla on your boat trailer, and then you go to Candlewood Lake and you uh, deposit that fragment in the lake, that could end up being a million dollar project to get rid of uh, where we could have avoided the issue in the first place. Um, so that's a big one. But in addition to that, um, just not fragmenting it when you're getting in there, making sure you're not disturbing it. Um, and then for water chestnut, another invasive species, we actually remove this by hand. And it's, I think, although I'm biased, a great way to get on the, on the river and do some good for the river by pulling it out. All right. So recapping, tell us what's happening next weekend along the Connecticut River if someone wants to go out and lend a hand. So next weekend, we have our 25th annual source to see cleanup from the 24th until the 26th. 
anyone who wants to get out um, throughout the Connecticut River watershed or just in their local neighborhood uh, can join a group or create their own group and we will equip you with all the supplies you need to get out there and clean up trash and of course after the fact we'd love to know what you found and see pictures of what you found and uh, action shots as well. All right and what's the hashtag on social media if people want to post what they find? Hashtag River Witness um, or hashtag CT River. All right. And if people want to find the Conservancy online, where can they go? Uh, our website is pretty simple. It's just ctriver.org. She is Kelsey Wentling, River Stewart with the Connecticut River Conservancy. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.